I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Feudal Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack, and joining me today is Rick. How are you doing today, Rick? Doing all right. Can't complain too much. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. Uh, today we are going to be talking about Overlord. Even though it's based on the standard genre that's really been going around a lot lately, as in you're stuck in a game world and now you have to figure out how to get out type of thing. It's more along the lines of he alone is stuck in this world and it's not really the game world anymore. And he is the villain in so many in, in so many words. He he plays up to be the villain because he is trying to gain the attention to see if there's anyone else there and what better way than to be a villain to draw attention does he know that he's the villain or it, it, like it's it'd be an interesting thing if you went at it specifically for i'm the villain i'm gonna make my name synonymous with evil i don't think <laughs> so he realizes on. he's the villain i think it's more along the lines that he is the villain but he's just doing what he can to get his name out there. And he has to kind of walk this fine line, too, because he he is uh, in charge of this group of monsters that absolutely despise humans that would just assume to kill them all than do anything else. And so how he that acts... That does make sense. How he acts, he has to bear that all in mind. Also, he himself is uh, transformed into uh, undead, and he, as a result, loses a lot of his human emotions, I feel. I can see that. I can definitely understand that. But let's backtrack a little bit for those that aren't familiar with the series. Um, There are currently three seasons out right now. Uh, The fourth one, we're hoping, is going to come out within the next year, year and a half. But due to some, let's call it, lack of material uh it looks like it could be pushed out up to 2020 so i'm hoping if that happens that we'll have a lot more material to be able to view i personally like the anime more than i do the light novel because i have to work less i mean if i'm honest yeah and uh in all honesty too it wouldn't be that far uh, fetched for them to do that because uh they released season one in 2015 and then they didn't release season two until january 2018 and then they also released season three in 2018 at the same time so it wouldn't be that far-fetched for them to w- delay it a couple of years just to get a couple of more uh novels out of it to be able to cover a couple more seasons that would make sense they they waited they bid their time they waited till the popularity rose in the genre again and then instead of having everybody skip a i, I want to call it a season because every three months you have a new flood of anime that come through and usually in my experience one series will take a season off so that they can compile everything and bring back in the fall if you will they have like a spring they skip summer and then they do a fall showing um this one didn't it did a a spring and then right into summer and now that we're in fall we don't have it 
So it, it makes me want it even more. <laughs> Absence makes the heart grow fonder, so, so to speak. Um, but going back to it, they got three total total uh, seasons out right now. The first one was done incredibly well, in my opinion, to show the buildup there, where he his originations are, and to show what his I guess upper limit could be, or or currently is. I. The thing that confuses me is he might have been maxed out in the game. In this world, by the time you reach season three, you don't know if he's gained any levels or not. They give you a different perspective in this particular anime, in my opinion. But I digress. Going back to season one, it starts off with him incredibly confused. And he's able to manipulate code while the game's still on. I don't see that happening when he's in a different world. I don't think he can manipulate code or personalities, so to speak. Mm. If I may, real quick, um, he doesn't really manipulate code. He manipulates the characters and, and the story of those characters that he and his counterparts created. All the monsters that are in the Nazareth, which is the place where he is, uh, where the guild he and his counterparts created, um, he's able to edit the character bio for that specific person. And because he feels like, you know, the game's going to go over or whatever, ha 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 ha, I'm going to edit this character to t- say that she loves me. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. And then he yeah. falls asleep, wakes up, he's still in the game world, and she now takes that as part of her personality. Um, because of what happened. When the servers shut down, uh, he ends up getting stuck in the game world, and all the non-player characters that were there before are now sentient, and they all have personalities of their own, all based on how they were written, based on the character bios that was written by him and his counterparts. Yeah, yeah, that does make some sense. Um, and for those of you that are unfamiliar with terminologies, uh, non-player characters are also called NPCs. Um, Which he conf- uh, constantly refers to a majority of the people there as NPCs. Oh, this is an NPC or this is... And because he has to refer to them like that, or not because he has to, but because he refers to them like that, is because he's drawn the comparison between the game world he knows and this one, and he's trying to find out the differences in between the two. Yes. Now, what I've also noticed is you mentioned, and you actually brought this up, but you mentioned he was really embarrassed when he changed the backstory of Albedo. And when he's now in the game where he's, he's in this other world that he realizes is not the game. All of his emotions seem to have a damper to them. Whenever he gets excited or sad or mad, a, a strange light comes over him and he is brought back to neutral. And my only worry is as he progresses through the the story, he'll be more neutral than anything else. Like he's he witnesses people dying and he doesn't feel a moral compass pointing him towards I should save them so much as, well, they're NPCs, they'll regen on their own. Oh, maybe I could test my power, which is where he goes in season one to Karn Village, or I'm probably mispronouncing that, but he goes to Karn, Karne, sorry, Karne Village, and he saves a little girl on a whim. Not because he feels it's right, but because he saw aggressors and in his mind, he says, I want to test my power out to see if things still work. Only to find out he is way more powerful than literally anyone that he's that he will encounter for a while. Right. Um, 
Um, but he also uh, references a couple different times that he wonders if him not feeling bad about the people dying and things like that are a result of him no longer being human, too. So it's not even yeah. that he he's saying, like, oh, I don't feel anything because they're NPCs. Uh, he feels more so that uh, he's not able to feel anything for them because it's a part of his character. It's part of who he is now. Whereas of before he used to derive pleasure out of things, joys and things like that, he doesn't derive pleasures and joys out of those anymore. He stays more cautious uh, and calculated more so than anything else. And he has to be that way because of his counterparts that are with him now, all the all the characters that are there the uh, guardians uh to be specific pardon me if i get this uh name wrong uh demurge uh demiurge uh i can never yep, say his demiurge. name demiurge right always builds him up always always says oh let me explain to you other people who have not figured out his plan what his plans are and then he has to react and calculate based on those words because he is now going through and telling everyone what he believes to be true, and now he has to be able to to act on that and and calculate in that way. That way he doesn't yeah. lose their faith, he doesn't lose their trust, lose their loyalty, and they turn on him. Because while he may be the strongest out of everyone naturally in that world, as far as we know, he he is not strong enough to be able to take them all on, especially at the same time. And if they wanted yeah. to, they could overthrow him. And this is evident in the end of season one when he uh, is fighting one of his, one of the one of the guardians, um, Shaltier, Bloodfallen. When he's fighting her. Uh, he has a very hard time. He has a difficult time, and he has to pull out all the stops to be able to stop her. And he even says, like, I'm not 100% sure that I'll be able to stop her, so this will be a great test for me. And that's all he sees it as. He sees it as a test rather than a fight for survival. And the, the unique, the, the, the thing that makes this anime, to me, stand out is typically you'll have one main character who you know to be good, you know to be righteous and if you're playing from first person you get to see his stats you get to see the magic mp you get to see his arsenal of toys let's call it with eins it seems it's almost unlimited because at the very beginning you get to see what his stats are you get to see what his life looks like as well as his np his magic um, bar after the game becomes real let's call it all that stuff goes away. You can't tell what's going on. And he's able to pull these miraculous things out of thin air because he's got a storage device that he has access to. Or there are tools, pay items, if you will, brought from the previous realm, right. previous game, that right. still work no problem. Case in point, the goblin um, whistle, the goblin general whistle or something like that. Yeah. Um, I forget what what it's actually called but it's the, some of the small the horn. army yeah and and yes. he thought it was a know nothing thing because normally when the people used it and it's it's a common item everyone got, gets it from the beginning of the game everyone's given it and um when she summoned the goblins it summoned 
about it didn't even summon that many i think it summoned maybe what 15 20 yeah, 15 or 20 and according to him they were all low level right under the level of 20 you're not according to the wiki they said that the horn would only summon something lower than your own level right um, right and um as we find out in season three and he finds out in season three when she uses the second horn that she has um it ends up summoning a massive goblin army with high tier magic goblins assassins um warriors tacticians everything that she could possibly ever need to protect that town protect that village for lord eisen yeah and they kind of skip over it in season two just like we did um mainly because season two while it technically is a season two it it it, to me it just feels like a separate story building up to him just dominating you see how his actions affect the world around him from the viewpoint of uh someone he's going to uh, rule over essentially and you see minor growth that that give you an inkling that the roles that you once had in the old game are not as fixed as they once were and it's it's a really interesting theory that I hope that they expand on, um, but uh, I'm not quite sure how to express this appropriately. Imagine the lizard men evolving or getting stronger to a different class, just like in the original game. Um, he was the Mamonga or Ainz, if you will, started out as just a simple undead. And then he worked his way up, gaining levels into his position of overlord. The same would be awesome if he could build his army to get stronger and stronger and stronger in the same fashion where you have, let's say, lizard men turn into warrior lizard men to turn into whatever their max capabilities are. Right. And which is something that he's actually testing too. So he he has the lizard people from season two at Nazarak with him where they're training and he's trying to see if he can get them to gain levels to see if he can get them to gain power and strength beyond what they currently are at. And that would be interesting. Just it'd be, it would create a new dynamic for the whole game. Now, (laughs) not even the game, their world. Now what's kind of cool in my mind I've seen a lot of anime where you've, you're following the demon lord. He knows he's the demon lord. He's doing demon lord stuff, and he gets owned by so-and-so, whatever. In this one, he's literally the strongest person alive. He is. Everybody else sees it. The demon lord. Who but another player can rise up to defeat him? And the, the scary part about this is, the demon lord Mamonga or demon lord Ainz only wants to find someone who he can find a kinship with. I'm really worried that if he continues down the path he's going to, he's not going to find another player that is going to want to be friends with him. He's going to find a player who wants to eliminate him. And then that's just going to make him tip over and abandon all humanity. That's just my take on it, though. That would be a pretty interesting uh Turn of, turn of events. However, 
he does have his alternate personality, which I feel keeps him grounded in that sense. Uh, Momonga is a uh, adventurer and uh, someone that plays to be a part of normal society. He's clad in armor. He wields two swords. And at the end of season three, he actually plays to be the hero for the people. So that may be a way for him to be able to salvage some salvation or or be able to talk to, uh, should he find someone else from that world as well. It's like, look, I did this and here are the reasons why I'm not happy about it. But you need to understand this is the position I'm in and actually have a discussion with someone who understands the mechanics that he's had to deal with, understand the the hardships he's had to deal with being in the position he's in. He doesn't know if he, if he dies, he'll come back. There's no way for him to know that. And I don't think he's exactly wanting to to test that freely unless he's put in a position where he has to. You've got a point. You absolutely have a point. Now. Imagine, if you will, he goes about doing this, but he can't. Ah, that's speculation. Sorry. Um, I was going to say, imagine he goes about this, but he doesn't feel like he could expose uh, Mamonga or Mamon, what, whatever it is, whatever the, the name of his alternate personality is, as a good guy or as the villain without being completely trounced. Um, but that's that's potential future. That's not even anything real that's happened yet. Um, but let's just go over some key points. Season one, he cre- he saves a village. Season one, he fights Sheltier Bloodfallen. You see what I imagine to be the upper limit of his capability. Hopefully it gets more. Um, season two, I, I really hate to, to break it down to this level of, of explanation, but it's essentially lizard porn. You see... And you relate to the lizard men who face this being who's going to completely annihilate them and they don't have a choice. So it's like people going to war with no hope of winning and a pre preconceived notion that there is no hope of winning. There's only subservience. And even when you offer subservience, you're told, hey, you still got to fight. Sorry. Season three. Well, let's let's skip to season to the end of season two. After everyone's been killed, or every main character of the lizard people has been killed, he resurrects them and notices that his resurrection is imperfect, in exception to his own created children, so to speak. Let's not forget because it is easy to forget there is other stories going on at this time other than uh, just the lizardmen. True. Very, very true. He's building a fake Nazarak. Mm-hmm. Um, Why we are not 100% sure, but it's probably going to be uh, for the reason of uh, of hiding or, or maybe drawing the attention of his enemies elsewhere should they find out where he is um, or, or be able to have some place to fall back to should the need arise. But, however, I don't think that one's going to be uh ever ever gonna be possible. He even comments yeah, no. that uh the combat maids that he has, they never they never ever ever made it up to the ninth floor or down to the ninth uh basement floor. 
Yeah, the, basically, Nazareth was created like a, a dungeon unto itself. Uh, going back to the original game, I realize I'm jumping back and forth. I apologize, but it's relevant for this particular point. Back in the game, you could take over someone's guild by taking over their base. And once their base was taken over, you got all their money, all their stuff, and they have to basically start over. What Eins was saying is the the guild he created was such a masterpiece that nobody was ever able to breach his security. Nobody ever was able to get to the, even the eighth floor to win, essentially. They could try as much as they did. They, they could, Even in the first episode, you see him defending the entrance, and he just massacres everybody. It's awesome. Not even going to lie. But, yeah, so... Aside from a single player who's extremely strong, you're not going to find anybody who's going to come close. And in season three, the emperor of a neighboring company realizes exactly how strong this man is. And he is a genius by his own right. He thinks that he's going to need to create an alliance between everyone else in the world and this one guy. So, in effect... Ainz's original plan of getting his name out there is going to succeed in a big way. The problem is there's no one currently you, who will be able to stop him. Even if you were to take the entire world and throw it at him, it's not going to help. In right. the game, just like in this world, you have humans in one group and you have non-humans in another. And the non-humans in the game were always hunted down and killed because you could, you could kill them without having any real issue. If that makes any sense, you wouldn't be marked as a player killer, a PVP. Right. Because they weren't human. Right. Um, but also uh, to go back to season two, you had the arc where Sabasu or Sabas rather was a a critical point. He was embedded in the city, learning about what was going on there and earning money um, and gathering intelligence as well. Um, And so you learn a little bit about a dark underworld that was going on there that he ultimately becomes a part of and uh, the merge comes to the terms that he should go out and kill him and overtake uh, all the underworld activities as well to put them in a better position so they have no opposition going forward there. And they use uh, that as a cover to gain more intelligence, gain more power, and and take over the underworld dealings of what's going on there. You also gain an insight as to what's actually going on inside the castle as well. The internal struggle and strifes in between everyone that's going on there, as well as some other characters that hopefully in season four will play a more prominent role. You have a point. There are going to be, I'm hoping, five or six key players that stick around because... Right. Okay, for instance... We had a... Brain. Go ahead. No, I was going to say we have Evil Eye from season two. Uh, She's supposed to be really old, strong, and she was actually almost able to kill one of the combat mages. They Um, were holding back really hard. They weren't supposed to fight seriously. Right. And that actually 
pissed off Ainz really, really bad. Like, even though Mamon is supposed to be this kind fighter of evil, Mamon almost killed her on the spot because he damaged one of his friend's beloved children. And she was able to survive. That She was able to get away, and he, he fought in her place because she was going to die, and he... He had to still pretend to be the hero and couldn't just let her die. Um, exactly. But also, towards the end of season one as well, um, because they do do run across some uh, world tier magic, I believe is what he referred it to as, which turned Shaltir against him, hence why he had to fight her. Um, there, you also run across like two characters that are briefly glanced over. A platinum dragon, uh, uh, or or something like that, a silver-looking dragon, a platinum-looking dragon, or whatever, and then another person as well that we're talking, and it was it piqued my interest. It's like they they made it sound like they were all a part of something much grander, like they were all a lot stronger than what they're giving on to, or they're just way past their prime. Yeah, they led me to believe they were way past their prime. But I, I see what you're saying. But they there also be... referenced uh, being a part of the 13 Heroes, which, if I remember correctly, Evil Eye said she was a part of. Yes. And the 13 Heroes were also mentioned in Season 3, where they were talking about how many people Ainz might be able to kill. They were thinking maybe four or 5,000 people. And it was remarked that even the 13 Heroes couldn't do that. Well... Ainz, with one minor spell, took out 70,000 people to start. Mm. And then he could have just overrun everything with his little... Goats. With his... It wasn't a little smell. It wasn't a little spell. But the goats massacred even more people. Yeah. And he could have just let them run until everyone was dead. So he could literally take on a nation by himself, which is supposedly a much greater feat by a large margin yeah. than what the 13 heroes could do. Yeah, uh they the emperor in season 3 which is trying to uh come up with a plan to unite everyone against him said even his underlings that killed about maybe 1 to 2000 people given Lord Eines he may be even be able to kill upwards of 7,000. And they're like, and that's stretching it. Way stretching it. Like, he may be able to kill about maybe 7,000 people with his magic. And so they're like, I want you to cast your strongest spell and, and do this. And he's like, all right, fine. And he gets his power spell ready to go. And he casts it. And everyone just like sees the bodies drop dead. And they're in shock. They're in awe at what just happened. And, and they're like, oh, that was a great spell. He's like, oh, no, that was just the beginning. <laughs> Foolish humans. That's just the beginning. Yeah. Watch what continues to happen after that. And then all of a sudden, five what he calls goats appear. And he starts laughing. And he's like, you should applaud me for my greatness. No one has ever summoned five before. It is unknown to be able to summon this many at one time. Oh, you should applaud me and my greatness. And everyone's like applauding. 
nervously while they're just going around killing everyone. And the armies aren't even ready to aren't marching. He's like just dominating by himself. And then a goat starts coming here and then all the soldiers run away and he just gets on the goat and goes away. And they reference this too, that uh, the emperor just like is in total fear of this uh, because he's like 70,000 just at the start of the spell. And then they rattle off everyone else that died and they go, yeah, no, we suffered uh, some injuries, minor injuries, but that was because our own people got trampled from running away. Yeah. They didn't even get injured battling. They got injured running away out of a misunderstanding. Yeah. Just imagine how strong your ally would be. Yeah. And the cool part about Demiurge's ability to think really, really critically is he's able to predict what your opponents are going to do, what his opponents are going to do. He has the foresight, the knowledge, and the experience to be able to say, yeah, so-and-so is going to act like this. So-and-so is going to do that. And with really incredible accuracy, they do. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why Ayn's is actually, in my opinion, kind of being sucked into a corner. He he doesn't, his original intent was not to dominate the world. His original intent was to try to find someone else and get the hell out of there. But Demiurge misunderstood what he was trying to do and thought, oh, the Supreme Being is so used to ruling the world. In the old world, he's trying to do it here too. I'm going to help with any way I can. And he starts to. Now, what I did, I did a little bit of reading on Demiurge. And one of the things that strikes me is he is one sick and twisted person, being whatever you want to call him. He tells Eins that he's able to create um, scrolls, these precious things that they were able to use before. Um, but you can't, there's no more material to make them. He was able to make a, a foe or a fox, um, a fake version of the scroll that works just as well. And unknown to Ainz, Demiurge refers to the, the things that he can use the scrolls with as bipedal sheep. Bipedal sheep are humans. Anybody he abducts, he will skin them alive, change their skin to this scroll, and then heal them completely. He found out in his experimentation that if you were to cut off a limb, change that limb into something else, and then heal the person, that something else remains, and that person is now whole again. So if you suffer a hunger shortage, you can chop all four arms and legs off of somebody, turn that into a meal, heal that person, and everyone is now eating that person. And it's it's sick and it's twisted and it's right up his alley because that's exactly how he was supposed to be. Right. And it's also very smart. Why not use the ability that he was given to his advantage? Yes. But here's the thing. I don't think that Ainz actually knows what's going on. He has an inkling but I don't think that he knows that they're using people to do that. I think he does. It's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons why I personally believe that Samus, that's his name, Samus, the, 
the gray-haired dude that was collecting oh. information in season two. Gotcha. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, Sabas. That's what. What was it? Sabas. 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 Think of it, sea bass. Sure, sure. Let's call him sea bass from the sea biscuit. Why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why he didn't want his his maid, if you will, the person he saved, to go work with Demiurge because he knew what was going to happen, and he wanted to save that for other people, uh, people he didn't actually care about. And that brings me to another point that I actually missed on. In season two, you realize that the NPCs, the 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 people that they created, the the creatures that they created, actually get feelings for other people. They're yeah, able to. He, uh, Ains also touches on this, and he actually wants them to think for themselves to see if maybe they'll develop their own thoughts and personalities beyond what was programmed in there. Now, I believe uh, that Ains knows what Demiurge is doing. And the reason why I think he knows what he's doing is because he knows each person's, each of those uh, characters' bios by heart, what their capabilities are, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And he references this to Shaltir when he wins against her or when he's winning against her. He goes, you think I don't know about your abilities? You think I didn't know anything about what you had? You think I didn't know what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you would do? You think I didn't know that what you're going to do to attack me, I wasn't prepared for? I knew all of that long beforehand. I know you intimately. I know everyone intimately. Your whole bio, your whole story, your strengths, your weaknesses. I know it in detail. And he even tells her that. Yeah, it's it's. His love for his own people, if you will, far exceeds that of a normal player. Right, right. And and so I. that's why I said I, I disagree. You know, I think he knows what Demiurge is doing, but he's not going to order him to not do that. Right? He needs the scrolls. He doesn't have a way to be able to gain the scrolls or items that he needs without utilizing this evil. And it's what's considered a necessary evil in his case. Well, see, I don't even think he sees it and, so much as being eaten. And if I may, on top of that, if you were to try and tell Demiurge no, what do you think Demiurge would start thinking? Demiurge, in the past, he has rationalized his thought process for a, for a number of reasons. I think Demiurge would actually rationalize, well, there's a reason why this supreme being who's far more superior to me has told me to stop this. There must be a reason why he allowed it before and he stopped it now. And he would find that reason. He would construct a scenario in his head that comes to fruition somewhere that this was the reason. Oh, you're so smart. You knew this way back when. For instance, when he gave out those two goblin general horns, he gave her two of them. The first one, they're like, oh, that was kind of weird. The second one, they're like, you knew this was going to happen way back then. Oh, my goodness. You're so smart. You can look into the future. You're so amazing. And he's over and and, and I is over there going, I sure I'll take the credit. Yeah, sure. Uh, lay, lay it on me. Yeah. But the only person that's actually saying that is uh, Mayor Bella Floor. Be- Bella Fior. She's yep, the only one yep, that's that- there. So. 
or well, okay, fine. Rather, let's, use, let's use a different let me, one. Let me let me refresh that real quick. Uh, I keep forgetting that the the female looking one's actually the boy, and the male looking <laughs> one's the girl. I get those confused. I so I apologize. Um, <laughs> so, so right, he he is the one that references it. <laughs> Oh, no, my God. I'll, 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 I'll give you that particular thing, but let's go back to where you had Demiurge say in front of everybody, oh, I'm surprised you guys haven't figured it out yet. And then Albedo says the exact same thing about how our master thought of this long ago to create the hero, Memon. Right. So even though it was just a, Hey, I don't want to be here right now. They rationalized that into a, Oh my goodness. It's a grand scheme. This is what's happening. We're so amazed by it. This is awesome. Right. But that's You're easily so, justified. So. Right. And, and same thing. He was he for the potion, right? He, he was able to justify it and say, well, I want him to be able to make me more potions. And, and they rolled along with that, but him to, without having a way to be able to create new scrolls or having an idea or some kind of uh, backup plan to be able to create new scrolls based on that, um, just telling him to outright stop, he has to have a backup plan. He has to have a way to be able to, to tell him, this is what I need you to do. Well, the, I could counter that with a good way that he would be able to rectify that is to tell Demiurge, yeah, I want you to stop and I want you to figure out. Demiurge says, well, why? And Ains could say, wow, I really thought you were smarter than that. I know you can reach the same conclusion that I do. I'll wait for you to. You can come to me when you think you have the right answer and I'll tell you if it's the right one or not. And then that puts all of the work on Demiurge, who now has a challenge in front of him to be True. to try to be as smart and as forthcoming and and as forward thinking as true this appear this is being yeah and and you know i didn't even think about that because he he did that in season 2 as well he he did that yeah. in season 2 he he says i want you to figure out a way to do this i i thank you for refreshing my mind on that yeah he could totally do that uh but i still i still think he knows what he's doing i i really do and and his lack of empathy, his lack of emotion for humans, I think is playing a large part in this, as as I'm sure you do too. Like especially when he kills, yeah. he he also refers, as you know, towards the end, at the end of season three, when he's fighting, he goes a PvP. He elevated the guy that was standing before him that he met in season one. He he yeah, the- elevated him to an actual player instead of it being a non-player character. Yes, and I, I was going to touch on that before you brought it up, but you got it, you hit it right on the nose. He doesn't care about those people being tortured because he doesn't see them as people. They're just NPCs. It goes back to when you and I were playing role-playing games like uh, World of Warcraft or, oh, God, Ruin. Oh. <laughs> you remember that one? Yeah. One of the very first, one of the very first um, quests that you had to do was to save these people. Well, you went to go save these people, knowing full well the next person is going to be right behind you, probably side by side with the exact same mission with different people. There's always going to be people there. You're not going to ever save everyone. So you just save the ones you're concerned about and don't care. And there is still an option for you not to take the quest. So let's say a third of the people take the quest, a third of the people don't, and a third of the people never even find the quest to begin with. 
you're looking at two thirds of the people that the NPCs that could have been saved that are not saved. The original third are not going to go there. I'm going to save everyone because that's not how a game works. And I feel that he still is looking at this as I'm in a game. This is just an extension of what the game was. Yeah. And, At least and that's how I feel he's able to rationalize a part of it. Yeah, and and I don't agree, disagree with you there. I I agree. And he's probably also succumbed to the idea or reality that he may be permanently stuck there and that he doesn't have a way to be able to get out at all. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I could absolutely see that. Well, I think uh overall though, I I think uh the anime as a whole is great. Um, I've seen people compare it to Sword Art Online for whatever reason, even though it has no real comparison in between the two. Um, I feel like it's uh, more along the lines of Log Horizon. and I can agree with that. I, I think I can clarify why some people see it as a, a similar to Sword Art Online. Um for two main reasons that I, I'm able to think off the top of my head. If I was thinking longer, I could probably think about a much greater, much, much greater details. But in sort art, you have the type of anime it is stands above the rest, just as this one does, just as Overlord does for storytelling, for quality, for just production main reasons. Now, the second part, the second comparison is, in Overlord, all of his underlings came to life. In Sword Art, their daughter was a rogue program that came to life and followed them and had its own unique set of code, let's call it. Because I can't really call their daughter in Sword Art Online alive. Right, but that didn't come like, until much later on. Um, no, I know, but that's if you finish the season, if you finish that season, if you finish the series you would know that that daughter was a key player, just like in here, his children are key players. That That's yeah. that's a stretch, I know, but that's the similarity I can see between right. Sword Art and this one. Right. As far as Log Horizon goes, I can see the motivation behind both. Hey, we're stuck here. We're stuck here together. We got to get out. Right, but also at the same in time coming to the idea and realization that you may not, and still growing Log Horizon actually takes this and goes beyond, and their characters are able to develop new magics and ideas and thoughts and processes and, and everything like that and have the world actually grow around them rather yes. than, and do, than do nothing. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. In this one, in, in Log Horizon, the other empires are thrown into the mix as well. The other the the politics of the other kingdoms are playing a huge role in their survival factor. Now also in Log Horizon, you can die as many times as you want. Just every time you get brought back, you lose a little bit of your memory. Right. It is what it is. In in Overlord, he's afraid to die because he doesn't know if he's going to come back or not. And that is a huge difference, but it's a same, the same idea, if you will. Now, as far as the kingdoms are concerned, they all, again, have their own little political sphere that you have to either delicately tread around and manipulate or like a bull in a china shop, break, tear and plow right through and create your own system, if you will. Right. Well, 
I uh I think we're getting close to wrapping up things here. Uh in total overall, what would you rate uh Overlord? Honestly, and I hope it does not diminish in time, but I rate it I'm going to go instead of 5, I'm going to go with the 10. It, it goes in a range of 10. So I I give it a solid 8.7 mainly because when I see an episode I can watch that episode more than once and I don't get bored. I can watch an episode two times in the week that it came out and still just, I get gather new information and it's just awesomeness. Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, so, I would have to agree. Know, I would have to agree. I, I give it a, I, I give it a 8.7 as well. Um, mainly because it's probably one that I will go back and watch again and again. Uh, it's a solid anime. It's got great character development. It's got great plot points all the way through it. You're you're not left uh, with disappointment at the end. You know, the only thing I'm hoping for is that we do get a season four and ultimately a season five, and hopefully a nice ending to this. Uh, I yeah. I just hope that they're not going to do what they normally do with a. Uh, the animes and and that they just decide to stop and the writers say um go read the manga if you want to know the rest That's, yeah that that always upset me so that 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 always i hope they don't do that now yeah. the only to, to give you an idea on how it could improve if if it could if the overlord could elicit a an emotional reaction from me that would raise it to probably 9.5, 10-ish. But to give you an idea on my scaling, Sword Art originally scored a 9.5 for me because I thought it was amazing. Rewatching it kind of brought that back. And I'm not referring to the the gun ones that are out that, that came out afterwards or even the most recent one that's coming out because I haven't watched that yet. I'm talking about season one, season two. They made me feel some kind of way. They made me feel... Sorry, bad. They made they helped me comp- the the to see myself in their shoes. Um, that's why I rated so high. It as I said, it did rate so high. Mm-hmm. Looking at it now, watching it again, I actually watched it last month again, and it doesn't hold up as well as it it could have, in my opinion. Um, so my nine point five actually has gone down to about eight point two ish. Still a pretty solid anime. I would recommend it to a lot of people, but mm-hmm. that that's just to give you an idea of how I scale anime. Right. And we could talk about Sword Art Online. We'll talk about the arcs rather than the se- the series as a whole, because I think it's better broken down into arcs in a future episode. Um but uh yeah, I think next week uh we're gonna be talking about Ergo Proxy. It's a anime from uh, early two thousands. It's a it's a little I've bit of a darker about. kind of gothic type of anime. It's uh, set in, more so in a post apocalyptic world, and uh, I've I've been watching it this week as well, and I've really been enjoying it. And uh, we're gonna reconvene next week and talk about it. Sounds good. I will see you then. Have a great day. Later.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.